Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Wednesday, January 6th. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello and happy new year to the people. What is up, everybody? Happy 2021. Mike, I don't know if you heard this, but Texas has a new football coach. Uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise over the weekend. Tom Herman is out. Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, as soon as Tom was booted, he was given given the keys to the castle. He, he is new, in the new football coach of Texas, still has some work to do at Alabama. I'm still going to stay with them for the national title game. But as soon as that clock hits 0-0 next Monday, he will be full-time at the University of Texas. Um, Mike, since this is a recruiting podcast, let's start there. How much have you heard about Steve Sarkeesian, the recruiter? What do Texas fans need to know about how he operates in that in that realm? Uh, from the guys I know who have been recruited by him or have dealt with him at least a little bit in the past, he's a pretty upfront guy, you know, straightforward, uh, kind of what you would expect from a coach. Uh, offensive mind, quarterbacks really tend to like him. Uh, the thing that's going to be interesting is not a whole lot of Texas ties. You know, I, I even talked to – a buddy of mine over at Galena Park North Shore who sent a, a few guys to Alabama over this last few years and was like, hey, you know, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Sark? You know, kind of what he's like, hey, we don't see him very often. You know, we see a lot of the other assistants out here. So going to have to get uh, more involved with Texas, and that's just kind of, you know, more of where he's coached. He's been in Washington, been at USC, uh, and then Alabama where they have Jeff Banks and a couple other guys on staff to recruit the state of Texas. So just not something that's been in his job description. He's going to hit the ground running, I'm sure. Uh, when he finally takes over uh, after that national title game. Let's actually start there um, before we start talking about the class of 2021 and the class of 2022. Um, Like you said, on paper, does not have any ties to state. Uh, He's worked at Alabama, obviously the head coaching gigs at Washington and USC. Um, Was also a longtime assistant at USC and uh, played football at BYU. So not a lot of Texas ties there. So how does Steve Sarkeesian address that problem? Is it something as simple as, hey, I'm going to retain some of um, Tom Herman's staff? We've uh, seen reports that Stan Drayton is kind of high on the list of, um, you know, assistants to keep. Uh, do you go after some of the state's high school coaches and give them, give them gigs, um, a la Bob Shipley under Tom Herman? And, you know, some we've seen um, Sean Bell at Baylor, former Cedar Ridge coach, now it's kind of rising the ranks um, over at Baylor once uh, Matt Rule got there. Um, do you – hire assistants who have ties to the state. There are plenty out there. Or, you know, is it something as simple as uh, do you keep uh, Brian Carrington, the director of recruiting, who got a lot of love from some of the current Longhorns once the Tom Herman uh, firing was announced? Um, if, those, if those four things are on your checklist, how do you kind of address them? What is the easiest way for Steve Sarkeesian? Because you have to be able to recruit this state as the head coach of the University of Texas, not only because there's a lot of talent here, but – Texas high school football coaches, they're kind of a sensitive bunch. And uh, for political reasons, you can't just go out and, you know, stay in California, or as Charlie Strong made the mistake of doing, going out and trying to recruit Florida. Um, how do you address that problem? 
Yeah, I mean, I would buffet sample, you know, a little bit of each of those four things. First of all, I would keep Brian Carrington. Uh, he's a guy who uh, definitely connects really well with the players, not only uh, on the recruiting trail, but on your team. And remember, when you come in as a head coach, the first group that you have to recruit is the players on your team. I don't know if Tom Herman did that well at all. And it was something that kind of bled out over the first few years. And now if you look at Twitter when he got fired, some of those players he inherited that first season he was here were, were ready to dance on his grave. So I think that's a lesson Sarkeesian needs to learn from. Get on campus and recruit those players. He can do uh, a big st- he can go a big step in the right direction on that if they keep Brian Carrington and kind of keep that flowing. That also uh, kind of leads you in uh, to that next recruiting class. He already has his foots on the ground uh, with that stuff. He has a lot of relationships, not only with the 2021 guys, uh, but 2022 and beyond. I think you do the same thing with Stan Drayton. Um, you know, he's a guy who not only has recruiting ties, but he also just has like the resume. You know, he's coached really good running backs, Bajon Robinson, uh, probably the best player on the team right now, talent wise, that he was able to get there from Florida. So I think you keep him on um, staff and then you go around and you try to find um, assistants that you're either working with now or that you worked with in the past or that you like with a pretty much unlimited budget. Um, for assistant coaches, it seems like, at Texas to hire some guys who have recruited in the state or coached in the state, you know, preferably both. I think what Baylor did with Joey McGuire, what Texas did with Jeff Trailer uh, back in the day, I think those are some blueprints that Sark can follow in terms of getting guys on your staff right away that have existing relationships, not only with the players you're trying to recruit, but with those high school coaches you mentioned who have a lot of pride in the state and want to send Uh, their best players to the flagship university of this state. And so I think it's one of those things where there's not one thing you can do. And Jimbo Fisher's proven that you don't have to be a Texan and come in here and win in Texas. But you do need to surround yourself with some guys who know what they're doing, who know the power brokers within the state, who know kind of the geography and the area and what kids like in those specific places and how to sell to those kids. It'll make that transition a lot easier if you have some familiar faces around when you start out than it would be if you just burn it all to the ground and try to start fresh with guys who, uh, quite frankly, people around here just don't know anything about. All right, let's talk about the class of 2021 because Texas, um, what seems like five years ago, did just sign 18 players. They also um, had a uh, grad transfer from McNeese State cornerback um, added to that class of 2021. Um, from what you've heard so far, are all those commits still in? I mean, you do have people like Hayden Connor, who is Mr. Longhorn, who has already gone on and been like, I'm a Longhorn. doesn't matter who's, who's the coach. I'm coming because I want to I wanna be a Longhorn. Is that kind of a sentiment shared by his, um, all of his uh, classmates, or do you expect some to ask to be released and to try to find a new home by the February signing period? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if one or two guys asked for a release, you know, maybe like a J.D. Coffey or Jonathan Brooks, someone like that. Um, the guys who aren't going to come around until the summer, maybe there's a little bit more risk there. I think the early enrollees, and I believe there's seven of them, maybe eight uh, of that group. So almost half of that group, you know, they start school in like a week, you know? So for a lot of them, they've picked out dorms, they've bought all the stuff, you know, you know, they're ready to move out. They're ready to start their next chapter. Uh, Like we've talked about on this podcast a lot, you know, you want to uh, commit to a program that's much easier said than done, uh, but you want to commit to a school and a university you're going to like regardless of if that head coach is there because there's a lot of coaching changes going on now. 
Um, and then the other thing that maybe not everybody wants to talk about is there's not many places for these guys to go uh, with the, the eligibility rule this year because of COVID. You know, see, you know, not everybody's graduating, so there's not as many scholarships open around the country. The transfer portal is beyond packed. So there's plenty of opportunities out there for older guys, for college coaches to go. If they do have three or four spots left over scholarship-wise, they're probably more likely to go with an older dude that they can plug in right away rather than a, a recruit that was committed and signed somewhere else. So uh, you may see a few, you know, like Tennille Carter at Georgia when Herman got here. He was committed to Georgia and came over. And Jade Barron uh, last year was at Baylor that Matt Rule left. And so – he got out of there. So you may, you know, you may see one or two guys kind of flirt with that, maybe even eventually do it. Uh, but I think Sark comes in, uh, he gives them a level of, uh, you know, notoriety right away. You know, all these guys are going to watch him coach, uh, you know, on Monday or whenever that national championship game actually happens. And so I, I think the fact that there's already a coach in waiting or, you know, already a coach hired, but you know, there's not any instability there. It went from one coach right to the next. I think that helps Texas. I think they keep, all, if not, you know, pretty much all uh, of their guys, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. And one of them is just, you know, there's just not, this is not the best year to be looking for a home. I think a lot of those guys will just, you know, go to Texas, try that out for a year or two. And then frankly, they can just go into the portal after a year or two, if they don't really like the way it goes under Sark. Let me ask, uh, does Texas get hurt down the road by how the Tom Herman thing played out? Um, before a couple of days before signing day, Chris Del Conte um, came out with a statement saying, "You know, Tom Herman is our coach in 2021." Um, Tom made a big deal at one of his press conferences by saying that you know Chris had offered to call recruits if some parents were asking questions. And we know, I believe, we reported that um, L.J. Johnson, the recruit, the, the running back Texas is still chasing, um, may have gotten one of those phone calls from Chris Del Conte. Does Texas get hurt by? this kind of firing a couple weeks after signing day after these recruits have been told one thing um or is this you know this is the business and these you know kids are going to get burned a couple times before they get out of college and might as well get used to it now yeah i mean i think there is a little bit of the game is the game here you know i mean it's just kind of it's kind of what you sign up for you you know what it's like and it's just an early introduction um to it it's not the greatest of look uh, for Chris Del Conte in Texas, you know, it doesn't have much to do with Sark. And so I think he can come in and be like, Hey, I don't, I don't really know what happened before me. I'm not going to apologize or answer for any of that. I just know this is how it's going to be from here on out. We'd like you to be part of the program. Let's just, let's do what we're going to do. I, you know, I think that sales pitch works, especially in 2021. This has been a weird cycle for all these guys. It's not like they could take official visits and they were flirting with some other schools late and then ended up, staying with Texas because of that phone call or whatever. Um, like we talked about earlier, there's not a lot of options out there for guys. So you kind of had to just kind of get it where you could uh, in terms of scholarship opportunities. So I, I think it blows over. I think it's chalked up as a, uh, you know, this was a, a weird search circumstance. And, you know, I don't know if Tom Herman had a lot of just super fans in his corner that are going to be upset about this. I don't know if he was that guy, uh, that brought about um, that kind of admiration or, or following. So I don't know if people are going to go to bat for that as much as just like, hey, Texas isn't winning as much as we'd like it to be. We want to go to Texas and then win national titles. If this new guy uh, who's coaching for a national title on Monday helps us do that, uh, let's go ahead and stay the course and, and see how that unfolds, knowing that in a year or two, if the system moves in a direction that they don't like or 
Maybe they're getting jumped over by some of his own recruits in a year. Uh, they get to the transfer portal then. You know, it's why do it right now, I think, would be uh, the, the question most of them would ask that. Now, in this 2021 class, there are a couple recruits who signed with Alabama who Texas would have loved to have uh, been part of that recruiting class, uh, the Brock and Meyer twins uh, being two of them. And then Jalen Milrow was once committed to Texas and then um, eventually flipped his commitment and signed with Alabama. Is there any chance that those three players are back in play, that they may ask for their release, and Sark was the offensive coordinator that they were um, they, they intended to sign with? And Texas has a you know, spot in all their hearts since Jalen was um, a Texas commit and the Brockemeyer twins for obvious reasons because of their family. I think the uh, only way those three guys probably get back uh, on Texas's radar is if they enter the portal in a year or two. Uh, there is, you know, there's going to be that new rule uh, expected at least that, you know, you can get one free transfer during your college career moving forward. And so, uh, you know, if, if whatever reason things don't work out at that school or they just don't like it after a year or whatever, maybe those names pop back up on the portal. I'd be surprised if, you know, January, you know, a week or two from now, the Brockemeyers are out of their national letter. And I think a lot of that wasn't just necessarily the coach. It was the culture. They're committing, you know, to, to Nick Saban and to go win national titles. I don't know if just hiring Sark is enough to swing that back in Texas's direction. Now, there's still a, a signing period that kicks off in February. So um, even though Tom Herman has signed most of his class, Sark still has some work to do. His assistant, his assistant coaches, uh, whoever he hires, they still have some work to do. Um, how do you think Steve Sarkeesian approaches the, re the regular signing period? Is Texas going to attack the prep ranks? Um, I know Texas still has a couple of unsigned commits um, in the 2021 class that they need to address. Or is this something where maybe the portal is the best way to go to fill out this class and then Steve Sarkeesian and his staff can start addressing the high school ranks once 2022 comes about? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a couple of guys um, there, specifically LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton, uh, the running back position that they kind of target and go after and see what they can work there. Uh, but, you know, this, you know, when Tom Herman took over, there wasn't an early signing period. So he could go and he could look at his class at Houston and, you know, kind of cherry pick some guys. And he did with Marcus Bimage and, and Samuel Cosme. Then they got Derek Kerstetter to flip from Oklahoma State. It's a whole different world. I mean, it's apples to oranges. Like now, all of those guys are signed. You're, you know, you're not technically allowed to go like talk to those dudes. They're, they are a member of another university's football team at this point now that they've signed national letters on tent. Um, so it's, it's a lot different of a ballgame. It's a lot harder to do. Most players take advantage of the early signing period. So there's just not that many guys out there to go try to swing into your favor. Maybe there's a couple targets on uh, Alabama's board. Uh, that are unsigned, that Sark kind of tries to to swing towards Texas. Maybe there's some uh, guys without offers in the state of Texas that he likes that uh, Texas didn't offer under Herman's regime that, that maybe come uh, on board late. But I'd imagine they go after the obvious targets um, that are remaining on the board. And then whatever they get or don't get, they kind of focus their, their attention on the portal and or grad transfer market to sure up a, a few spots moving forward and then really put uh, all their brain power into 2022. Do you think Texas has to get LJ Johnson or Kamar Wheaton, who is an Alabama commit but didn't sign during the early signing period? Does Texas have to get one of those two running backs? 
Uh, no, I, I mean, I think with Bijan Robinson, Rashawn Johnson on campus, I, I think Jonathan Brooks, uh, who signed in December, is a really good player. I mean, if they go into next year with those three guys, as they're, they're going to feel pretty good about that running back situation. Now, if you add L.J. Johnson, Kamar Wheaton uh, to that group, it may be, you know, one of the best in the nation. It's absolutely the best in the Big 12. So it would be a, it would be a big deal. I mean, those are, those are two top 50 national players, two top 10 players in the state, maybe two of the best running backs uh, to come out of Texas in a few cycles. So it would be absolutely huge uh, to add to the long point. But I think it's a running back position and a running back room right now, especially if you're keeping Stan Drayton, where you feel pretty good about where you are moving into next year, even if those guys don't come on board. All right. Uh, we'll be keeping track over the next uh, couple of weeks to see how this uh, class of 2021 shapes up. But obviously, class first, Mike, settle a debate for me. This is something I said on, on, um, on Twitter, and there were some different viewpoints in my mentions, and you had mentioned in our teams your opinion, but I, wa- I want to get you on the record. Uh, does Steve Sarkeesian count this class of 2021 as his transition class? Or since these are all essentially Tom Herman's signees, is his class of 2022 the first class he gets to fully do his work in? Is that his transition class? Which class of 2021, class of 2022, or is there no such thing as a transition class in the current market since there's that early signing period and a lot of the times coaches are fired after those um, signatures are on, on, the, on the dotted line? Yeah, I, I kind of lean more towards there's not really such thing as a transition class anymore because, you know, the term is for when you would take over so late in the cycle that you only had a couple months to really add in your, uh, your ability to recruit there, either by uh, getting guys to come with you, flipping commits, that kind of stuff. You kind of had the, the hand that you were dealt and you just had to deal with it over that last month or two. Uh, now with the early signing period, it's a lot different. You can't even get some of those guys off of your books. You know, they've already signed. Uh, national letters intent for you everybody else is signed across the nation for the most part so there's not that much opportunity to even have a transition class and then when you have a whole 12 months basically uh leading up to uh to the next signing period for 2022 i don't know if that can technically be called a transition class either because you're going to have a long time to work that out so uh, i i don't think they're you know in the old way we used to uh think about it there's no such thing as a transition class anymore but it would be this 2021 class if we're getting technical on paper. All right. So let's talk about that class 2022 and by class 2022, I mean one player you were in the (laughs) right place at the right time this weekend when this news broke, you were um, already watching South Lake Carroll in a playoff game. So you were um, watching Quinn Ewers, the five-star quarterback who was once committed to Texas is now an Ohio state commit. You're watching him play. So you got to ask him after the game, um, his, his feelings, his feelings on the hire and, um, I would suggest anyone check out hookem.com for Mike's uh, Mike's story. If you haven't read it already, it did some great numbers on our website this weekend. So kudos to you. But um, Texas fans want to know, is are they back in the running for Quinn Ewers or has that train left the station and he is going to be a Buckeye in, in, a, in a year or so? I mean, my money is on Ohio State. You know, I, I think Ohio State was able, able to swing him away from Texas for a few reasons. They didn't really like the way the eyes of Texas stuff went down. And Ohio State wins national championships. They compete for national championships. They win Big Ten championships. And I think that's proven again this year. They're about to play Alabama for another one. Justin Fields playing awesome. Going to be a top five pick. So I think Ohio State has a lot of things working for it that make it hard to believe he will flip back to Texas. On the other hand, 
he grew up a Longhorn fan. He's from a family of Texas fans. He wanted to go to the University of Texas. That's why he committed there originally, even with Texas not being all that great over the last three or four years. So with 12 months separating us, I mean, I guess 11, uh, separating us from signing day, I don't think anybody can say for sure which if he's going to be an Ohio State Buckeye. I think Sark has the ability uh, with his offensive chops and with you know the fact that he just sent three dudes to the Heisman ceremony or the virtual Heisman ceremony from the same team and you know all that kind of stuff. I think he's able to to show Quinn Ewers, uh, uh, you know, hey, this is the offense we're going to run. It's going to be explosive. We're going to go win some games, and so. I don't think it's completely over there. They're going to at least try. Now, will it work? I don't know. Uh, but they're absolutely going to kick the tires on that and see if you know his lifelong love of the University of Texas and his original uh, commitment to the, to the University of Texas uh, can be uh, reignited. Yeah, and his uh, resume with uh, quarterbacks dating back to, you know, I don't know how much credit he deserves for – Carson Palmer, Matt Leinert, but, you know, he has a very long track record of quarterbacks he's worked with from USC to Washington to now these last two, Tua and Mac Jones at Alabama. You know, that's a pretty nice resume to slide. Ohio State has a very good resume, too, of sending quarterbacks to the pros, but, you know, well, at, least, I, at least now Texas is, can at least be like, hey, we're not top liver as opposed to, you know, because, you know, as good as Sam was, stacking up Texas's last 10 years of quarterbacks to – Ohio State's that wasn't a fair fight at least now you know Ohio State's probably still winning but at least Texas you know Sarkeesian can go in there and be like hey you know I'm, I'm not chopped liver here and he has some NFL pedigree I know the the Atlanta offensive coordinator thing didn't I mean he ended up getting fired and going back to USC uh, but those were the two years he was offense coordinator there they were top 10 offense and that could have been two of Matt Ryan's top three or four years as a pro um, and when you're recruiting quarterbacks specifically the NFL is a big, big part of that. And the fact that he can not only point to his college quarterbacks as a success, but point to Matt Ryan's success and the ability that he's, hey, I've coached in the NFL. I know what they want there. I know what they're looking for. Uh, come here and I can get you to that point. Those are big selling points that he will absolutely use uh, with Quinn Ewers and whoever else he recruits at that position moving forward. Um, you know, before we move on to Craven's Corner, I just had a general question. Tom had obviously started in his coaching staff, but obviously started coaching or recruiting this 2022 class. Um, those offers that are out there, are they automatically just they just dissipate into thin air? Or does, uh, you know, are there conversations to Steve Starkeesian come in and, you know, call up all these recruits and say, sorry, we're going to look in a different direction? Or, hey, that offer is still good. How do, how do those offers that are still out there for athletes – the University of Texas, how did those uh, – are those all still on the table? Maybe even with those 2021 commits who um, are still, you know – because that, that kind of stink for them if they all of a just lost their offer because Tom Herman got fired this late in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think for 2021 you don't uh, ripple the waters and anybody who's committed and or uh, seriously offered, you kind of let those, let those stand. Because uh, you're right, I mean, it's late in the game, especially if they're already committed. Uh, I mean, you don't want to be that guy and you don't want to get that reputation across the state as the team that, that kind of bailed on that stuff, especially, you know, given the scholarship uh, rule this year and your flexibility with the Texas can afford to have a few extra guys on scholarship if they have to, uh, considering they just paid probably $30 million to get a new coach when all kind of, when all is over here. Um, but I think 2022, 
uh, all those things are kind of dead. I mean, you don't just because you had an offer from the old staff does not mean you have one now. And that uh, will be clarified over the next month or two. I'd imagine uh, they call uh, a lot of the targets and kind of let them know, hey, uh, you still have an offer. Um, In terms of the ones who don't, I don't really know how that process uh, goes about. I'd imagine uh, those kids would uh, inquire about that. Maybe they wouldn't get as much reception as they'd like or whatever. Uh, But this early in the stage, just from looking at it, a lot of the guys from on Texas's 2022 list with offers also had them at Alabama. So uh, you're not offering a lot of niche players that early. You're you're offering the best of the best. So I think uh, for the large majority of guys with offers from Texas right now, they would still be offers after uh, the new staff is able to get on board, watch some huddle film, and do some breakdowns and figure out kind of who they want offered. Uh, for fans following along, I think on Twitter over the next month or two, you'll see a lot of tweets that are like uh, blessed to receive. Uh, or to to be offered again by the University of Texas or to have the offer affirmed by the University of Texas because I think they will try to make it a point to feel like they offered them again. You know, you almost want to get that excitement back out there again. So even like a Quinn Ewers who has been committed to Texas, I think Sarkeesian or somebody on the staff eventually calls Quinn and is like, hey, I mean, I'm sure this is obvious, but wanted to let you know you do have an offer to the University of Texas. We'd like you to be there. And I think that works all the way on all, all the way down on the offer list because you want to make that connection and you want to rebuild that excitement of getting the offer for the first time. Awesome. So we will keep a tra- we'll keep track on that. Um, who Texas is looking at 2022? They do have one commit um, in their 2022 class, Jalen Gilbo, who I know you talked to for your Monday dotted line column. So. Uh, we'll keep track of that. We, I'm sure we will have lots more to discuss over the next uh, few weeks and months as Steve Sarkeesian and his assistants get settled into their new gig. But before we get out of here, uh, we got to talk gambling, maybe for the last time of the college football season. Craven's Corner, your weekly gambling column. You've been kind of on a hot streak uh, um, recently, making some money for the uh, holiday season. But one last game to talk about, Alabama, Ohio State, and the national championship game presumably on Monday if uh, COVID doesn't get in the way. Last line I saw was Alabama by eight. Um, what are you thinking about this uh, this line, and are you betting on the national championship game and Steve Sarkeesian's last, uh, last game with the Crimson Tide? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Alabama minus eight. Uh, you know, I, I kind of – Ohio State football fan is an exaggeration, but there's so many guys that I covered that are playing important roles uh, for Ohio State that it's kind of like be- become my secondary team to watch just because there's so many familiar faces and stuff over there, which says a lot about what Sarkeesian needs to do uh, on the recruiting trail here in Texas. Uh, but this Alabama team is just – I mean, they're just different. I mean, it just they had three guys – and the top five of the Heisman voting at a wide receiver win for the first time this century. Um, the defense is good enough. I just think Nick Saban likes this kind of stuff where it's like there's distractions around the team and he can almost uh, re- rebuild the whole thing of like it's us versus them and you know our offensive coordinator's leaving. This is our last ride to do this. Blah. blah. I mean, I just think they come out and they crush Ohio State. So I'm leaning more towards Alabama. Minus eight. I'd like it to be minus seven. I'd probably uh, buy those points just to kind of make it a touchdown um, situation there. But I just have a hard time thinking Ohio State keeps this one close. Although Justin Fields is going to be the best player on the football field. So who knows? Um, Wild card weekend. Uh, Something I'm not used to rooting for as a Browns fan, but I actually get to (laughs) watch a game, presuming the Browns and all get 
get COVID, which has been a problem for them. I'm looking forward to that on Sunday night. But are there any games you're looking forward to betting now that there's two extra games during this wild card weekend because of those uh, extra playoff spots? Um, any any bets that you're placing in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably bet on all six games because I'm a degenerate that way. Uh, the ones I like the most, Seattle minus three over the Rams. Uh, big backer of Russell Wilson and that Seattle team. Not so much for the Rams. I just – just don't trust – ever since Todd Gurley hasn't been in his prime there in L.A., I know he's in Atlanta now, but ever since uh, he wasn't really doing great things for them, they just have not been the same offensively. Uh, so I like Seahawks there. And then I probably like your Browns. You know, it, you know maybe not if, if some COVID names pop up that are uh, really important that aren't playing or, or whatever, but uh, Browns plus six against the Steelers just seems like a lot of points. The Steelers – not that good over the last month or two of the season. I know the Browns aren't used to playing uh, in this game right now, but I almost think that works for their advantage. I mean, there's no real pressure. They've already made the playoffs. Now all they got to do is beat a team that they already play twice a year. So uh, I think they come in there and at least play it, play a good game and keep it within six points. All right, so be sure to check out Mike's uh, words on gambling. They're up online usually each Wednesday in the Thursday newspaper. And – while you're reading about gambling, I advise you to check out Mike's dotted line column, which runs throughout the week. Monday, he uh, discussed Steve Sarkeesian and kind of the uh, recruiting issues he, he needs to address his new job. Tuesday, he looked at three 2021 offensive recruits that are still available, two of which in LJ Johnson and Kamar Wheaton we have talked about on this podcast. And then Wednesday, he looked over the class of 2020 and some of how they did during their, their first year. Um, just really quick, Mike, was there any surprise? Oh, we, we knew Bajan Robinson was going to be a star, but were there any surprises or disappointment in this 2020 class um, in their first year at Texas? You know, for me, it's always going to be Jaquindon Jackson. Um, some of that was just his knee injury at the very end of his senior year. I mean, he was never going – once he had that knee injury in the state semifinals, which was like the week before Christmas or two weeks before Christmas, he was always going to miss – most of his freshman year rehabbing through surgery. He wasn't going to be able to do spring and summer the way most quarterbacks do. And when you're in the same class as a Hudson card, that year of development is huge. And so uh, now he's transferred to Utah and it's just, I think it's just one of those what if things, if he never hurts his knee in that semifinal, he may win a state championship at Duncanville, which, you know, would have been historic in its own nature there for an inner city Dallas school uh, to win a state title at six a, uh, and then he would have had a fair shot, to really compete with a fellow freshman uh, quarterback and kind of see what the pecking order was at the end of this year. Maybe he doesn't have to transfer. Um, and so I think his, his will always be the, uh, the biggest what if to me because he was one of the best high school quarterbacks that, you know, I've seen uh, covering the state over 12, 13 years. Um, what is el else is on your plate? Uh, state semifinals in Texas high school football. So that's always a fun time. I'm sure you're going to, uh, you have a bunch of games on your on your calendar. I don't know if you have a triple header like you did last week, but um, I'm sure you'll be checking out some state semifinal action. What else will you be writing about this week that people can check out? Uh, yeah, uh, Saturday I'll be at Galena Park, uh, North Shore versus Westlake. Westlake's quarterback um, in the junior class in 2022, Cade Klubnik, is uh, one of the offers Texas has out there. I'd imagine he uh, keeps his offer. I'll definitely talk to him about what he knows about Sarkeesian and, and the offense uh, that Alabama's running that uh, he'll bring uh, he'll bring to Texas. Um, and then, you know, moving forward, I'll just be kind of like watching the LJ Johnson development, Kamar Wheaton, kind of seeing where 2021 uh, goes, and then starting to look at 
kind of the best five or six prospects at each position uh, that Texas will probably be going after in that first cycle under Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, uh, for us, it's, it, 2022 was going to be an interesting recruiting cycle. You know, I mean, I, I think if Tom Herman stays, I, I guess I look at coaching like a relationship. And once Texas was obviously flirting with an open relationship with Urban Meyer, it was hard to imagine keeping Tom Herman, you know, long-term for sure. But even for this next year, recruiting would have suffered uh, tremendously uh, because you just, you can't sign up for a program when you don't know which direction it's headed. And now that Texas at least has a new direction, I think recruiting will be fun again for fans to kind of follow along. Awesome. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, We'll be back next week. Don't know what we'll be talking about. Maybe we'll do a Texas high school championship preview. We'll have Rick and, uh, Rick and Thomas jump on and we can have some fun with that. Or we'll just talk about who knows the <laughs> world is a blank sheet of paper or something like that. I don't know. Um, but don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple store and a Google podcast app. We sure do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in each week. Uh, we'll be back next week and enjoy your weekend. Peace. <laughs>